on this episode of the Magic Business Podcast. Travel with the uh, Imodium and uh, sleep aids and, and you know, have your medications. Really Got to have that. Yeah. Everything you might need. We, okay. we're, uh, we're like a little pharmacy. Welcome to the Magic Business Podcast, where we share insightful and delightful inner secrets about the business of magic. This is where magic professionals present their real-life experiences and some of their most guarded secrets to help further your career in the magical arts. I'm your host, Christian Painter, in partnership with the Magic Oracle Club, where you can hear all of our magic business podcasts. The Abysons are one of the most well-known mentalist acts in the world. They have performed in over 35 countries, appeared on multiple TV networks to include NBC, Fox, CBS, Discovery Channel, CW Network, and Amazon Prime. Magicians most likely will recognize them from their appearances on Penn & Teller's Fullest and from the famous World's Greatest Magic series from the 90s. They work all over the world in various markets. Welcome to the show, Tess and Jeff. Welcome. It's great to be here. Uh, you should probably just call us Jeffsa. Yeah. That's what <laughs> it's like a tongue twister. It's so good to be with you, Christian. Well, I'm excited to talk with you guys, and and already pre-show, um, I have learned a great deal about you guys. Like, I did not know, um, like, my understanding was that Jeff was um, Canadian and you were American, but that's not true at all. No. Well, kind of uh, true, but a little. Kind of true, yeah. Can you give right. us the background? Because as we roll into world travel, that's kind of important for the people to understand where you guys come from. We uh, Tessa has five passports and nowhere to go presently. That's other than right. <laughs> back and forth. I was born in Canada. I'm a Canadian by birth. Tessa, by the time she moved to Canada and got a Canadian passport, she that was her fourth passport. She was born in England. That's right. And then um, my parents are from St. Lucia and Grenada, and I spent various years there growing up. Um, and then Canada, I lived in Canada when I was young, moved to the Caribbean again, and then back to Canada in 83, no, 82, and then met Jeff in 1983. So and that's we, the short version of it all. And we worked in Canada uh, for what, almost 20 years before mm -hmm. we moved to the US and eventually became citizens of uh, the USA. So I'm currently dual passports, two passports. Tessa still means now up to five passports. Well, I don't maintain them all, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Canada and the U.S., because uh, those are the countries I've spent most of my time, and so that's all I really need. Well, this even more makes you the experts on what we're about to talk about, which is world travel and, and traveling to, to perform in shows. But let's start with just the fact that you, uh, so you started out uh, as Canadian, uh, citizens, correct? And then yeah. gained American uh, citizenship? That's right. right. Yeah, we worked uh, in the U.S. under work visas for a number of years. We did. We had an agent that you had for a, a while, uh, Bob Kramer. And Bob Kramer contacted us after we did the world's greatest magic. Bob had a huge college agency up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Probably one of the biggest in the USA, yeah. And he, after he saw the show... He called a day or two later and asked if we'd like to work colleges in the U.S. And we had worked colleges in Canada and thought, well, what's the big deal? Because in Canada, they're fun, they're great, it's, but it's a whole different ballgame. And I think uh, the really noticeable part is drinking age in Canada is 19 versus 21. So if we're working in, at a Canadian college, most often it'll be a nooner. And if it is a nighttime show, it's going to take place in their bar, their pub atmosphere. 
But even if it's a 12 noon show, oh, yes. they still have beer on the table at college. Which is quite disconcerting, even though we know <laughs> that it's very strange to be doing a show at that time of the day uh, for people that have had a few drinks. <laughs> but now coming coming down to America, you just don't get to drive across the border and go do shows, correct? Well, we did that for years. You, you you know, it's always, it's hard, it's tougher now. I don't think you could get away with it these yeah. days. But yeah, back then, you know, we, we would... I don't we think didn't... it was as hard. And I think that, you know, Canada and U.S. had a good relationship. So they weren't great sticklers at it for a while. But then that changed. But there's always that point where, yeah. you know, you get the wrong guy at the at the border that asks uh, the right questions and then gotcha. Yeah. Um, there was one time we were going to work at a an event in New York City. And we were also tying that in with Monday Night Magic. So when the customs officer asked... Uh, where we were headed, we said, New York, we're doing this uh, free event, Monday Night Magic, uh, where they basically essentially provide us with parking because the parking equals the fee. Um, <laughs> but he asked, uh, well, does anybody in the theater get paid? If you don't get paid, does anybody that works there get paid? And kind of hesitated a moment, said, well, probably the lighting, sound, waitresses. And that was it. He said, then you can't work in that venue. We should have known that was a trick question, but never heard it before so but we tried we, you know it. we pulled around and two hours later we tried again thinking okay new shift and <laughs> I ended up getting a friend of my father's because it was a border town that was the town i grew up in and uh, he recognized me and didn't even ask any questions he said hey have a have a good trip so we got through and it happened again a second time and it was unfortunate the second time because we we had a client a, a u.s client that hired us to work trade shows and and the owner of the company was having uh, his 89th or 90th birthday party in Atlanta and his uh one of his I think her secretary wasn't she Donna called up and said yes. would you come and work at Fred's birthday we're having a celebration with clients and so we said yeah it should be great it wasn't really a paid gig we were just going to go down have fun at the party and maybe do a couple of uh second sight uh, effects with with the guests yeah it was an honor to do that they had hired us for many shows and uh, donna actually her father was a magician so she knew, knew all the greats in the magic so we had this great you know camaraderie so it was it was, it was going to be a fun thing and we he and we said well to save money we'll fly we lived in toronto at the time we said we'll fly to buffalo it was a short drive and, and probably half the price of flights got to the border the agent asked where we were headed we said we're going to a party everything was true asked if we had any uh, any of the props for that we would use in the show. And I said, no, I just have a pack of cards. And that was it. He said, you've got a pack of cards. You have tools of your trade. We're denying you entry. And, Holy and cow. It was crazy because I said, well, what if I was, uh, I just use cards. I practice all the time. He said, it doesn't matter. You, you have them with you. And I said, well, if I was a singer and I had my voice. <laughs> and he said, look, we can either discuss this here or, and you can turn away and there'll be nothing in your record, or we can take it inside and then you've got something in your record that'll be a mark forever. So we said, no, no, okay. we'll just, we'll We leave. got it. We're out of here. But, oh. you know, we had to call the client and say, we've got two tickets, flights that uh, were non-refundable by that point. So. so that was our lesson. We realized that we had to handle this differently and we need to find a pathway that worked and got us to our gigs without any stress and without being turned away. And I guess that's when we started getting those visas, right? That's when Bob Kramer called yeah. and it was just the timing was perfect because, you know, Bob, he had he had the bookings. He could give you a whole year's worth of, of dates um, in advance. So that was enough to get a, a one year visa. And it just that, that started the ball rolling. Because that's the important point for those visas. You know, you have to get the visas based on you actually having bookings or or reserve dates or dates on hold, something that they can see that you actually have work that's coming up. 
Uh, otherwise, if you just try to get a visa without guaranteed work of some kind, then it's not going to work out for you. Wow. And so when did you guys solve the problem by just saying, we're just going to be citizens of the United States as well? We, we would renew our visas every year for maybe three or four years. And it was, I can't remember the fee, but let's say $1,500, $2,000 a year to get there. work visas. Mm -hmm. and, and it was fine, but we always had to have the dates. And, and then we started thinking, well, we're, we're not going to stay with this agency. We're, we want to move and maybe go on our own. Uh, but we didn't have that luxury of having those years, that, that one year solid bookings in advance. So uh, we contacted uh, a, fr a friend of ours, Greg Fruin. He had uh, used an attorney, uh, uh, immigration lawyer out of Las Vegas. So we thought, oh, we'll call that lawyer. And uh, he told us, well, here's what you have to do. You have to have uh, some recognition, international, maybe some awards. And I think we had one award by that point from the PEA. Yes, uh, and, the Dodger Award. And it just wasn't, in mentalism, it's not really our world uh, to get awards. There's not a lot available to us. So... We thought, well, okay. And he, he said, you know, at this point, if you apply today, you probably have a 60-40 chance to get in. But if you can gather up a, a better portfolio of awards and you've got to get letters from people. And so that just started it. Rich Block had called to uh, invite us to perform, just to hire us to perform at a magic convention called the World Magic Seminar. It was in Las Vegas every year at that point. Yeah, it used to be the Desert Seminar in Washington, D.C. And then he uh, joined forces with uh, Siegfried and Roy. And that's when it became... The, uh, the world's uh, World Magic Seminar. And, and part of that convention, Siegfried and Roy would be the, in attendance. Their names were associated with it. And they would give away awards. They had two big awards, the People's Choice Award and the Sarmody Award. The Sarmody Award was just Siegfried and Roy picking their favorite act of the convention. And both awards were $5,000 cash prize. One of them was a trophy. Sarmody Award was a, a painting of, from Siegfried and Roy's uh, cat of their cats. Um, and so we didn't win the people's choice and we, we thought, okay, well, that's it. We'd, oh, well, I should back up a little bit. We, when we were taking the booking, Tessa said to Rich, you know, we have an idea, Rich. We're applying for, uh, for this green card and we need awards. And can we enter the competition? Instead of you hiring us, can we compete? He said, oh, come on, it's a magic convention. Mentalists don't win. You, you, won't, do any well. you won't do very well. Just take the money. But we thought, no, this is part of the plan. So... Um, after the show, we were sitting up in the back of the theater thinking, well, that's it. We get no money and no award. We're going home. And Obi O'Brien came running through the theater looking for us. He said, there you are. You two, we need you backstage now. And it was during the awards presentation. And we thought at that point, oh, are we getting the something? And, and it turns out we got the Sarmody Award from Siegfried and Roy. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that, that, was was, that was a big one. And they helped us. They wrote a beautiful letter petitioning oh, yeah. for us uh, yeah. to get green cards. And, and then we got something else, a few other things to, along the way. But that was enough to get the, uh, to get the citizenship. I, I don't think Americans understand that um, what our Canadian friends are going through <laughs> to come down and perform. Um, I mean, definitely talking with you guys, I'm getting a much better uh, appreciation. So it's, what you're telling me, it's not easy. I'll tell you, we didn't realize when we got our green cards, we didn't understand at the time. We thought a green card was a permanent work visa. And, uh, and it is a big deal. To get, a visa is not so difficult, but a green card is. And we just thought, well, a green card is a permanent work visa, so we won't have to apply and go through this ritual every year. And when we did our meetings with the consulate, uh, the fellow said, okay, we're going to approve you. And when, do you when, when will you be moving? 
and we were living in Toronto at the time, had no plans to move to the U.S. So, no, we're not we're moving. We're going to stay here. He said, oh, no, you misunderstand. You have a year to move to the U.S. <laughs> so get packing. <laughs> it's a resident visa. It's not a work visa. And we, yeah. you know, we were just so, uh, we just, and, I, and educated at the time about the process, I, I guess, that sure. we... Uh, just didn't do enough reading and all the details. Yeah. You're like, who likes to read all that stuff? But we learned from that for sure. But you know, that, that was a that was an incredible experience. And I think, I'm sure Americans know this, but really America, you know, to, to entertainers is like one big Hollywood. Uh, that's the place to go to get all the shows, to get the amazing work, to get the television, uh, to get the recognition that the world recognizes. So it's a country right next door to Canada. And if you can make it across, and that's great. It's really cool. One of the interesting things when we were getting our visa, our green cards, I should say, uh, to live in the United States, we, we ended up getting split up for our interview. And in my interview, after uh, he told me that I was approved, his, he said, I have one question for you. And I'm going, what? And he says, did you ever meet Blackstone? Harry Blackstone Jr. And I was like, wow. He says, I've always, he's been my idol. I just, I just loved him. I saw his show as a boy and I thought, how cool is that? That would be the last place you'd expect somebody to ask you about magic. So I spent quite a bit of time talking to him about magic until of course he had to move on to the next person. But it was a great way to sort of throw me forward into, I got my green card and it was just a good feeling that magic has done so much for us. It was really awesome. Wow. Uh, so you have finally done it. You, you've now actually become citizens, and now you can go back and forth across that border with no problem, I hope? If, you have a pa if you're a citizen of either country, they don't, you can't be denied access to your country. But yeah, it's, it's been fairly easy back and forth. We maintain, well, we just sold our place in the U.S., so at this point we're we, we don't have a place there. You were about to say we were homeless in the U.S., right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're looking for your next spot. Let's broaden this out because you guys do travel all over the world. So tell me some things that probably your standard, let's say a younger magician coming up and right now he's doing a lot of shows, maybe within the United States, but he's looking like, oh, I want to work in Australia or Europe or something. What are the challenges that he's going to run into or he or she is going to run into when they start to do international travel? I think it's getting um, one of the most important things is getting their uh, work visa for that specific country. And of course, everything is online, but some countries can take quite a bit of time and process. Um, and now you would think the client who has booked you would be assisting you with getting that visa, but that seldom happens. You usually have to do all the legwork yourself. And so uh, really for a lot of those countries, if, if you really think that booking is, is coming through, it's good to get the process started early. And a lot of those countries allow you to have, a, to, when you get that visa, that the visa will last you for uh, either a few months or even up to a year, depending on what the visa is and what you pay for it. Uh, and, you know, so often we, we don't think we're going to be returning to a country, but we have had the incidents where, yes, we, because we got the one booking, then we came back for another booking. So that's something to consider. But we've used a service. There are services in the USA that will, I'm sure they're everywhere. We use a place out of Washington, D.C., and they're online, and they will do all that paperwork for you. It just saves time, and, they, and they've done it before. They've got the expertise. So there's oh. a little bit of a premium you pay for that, but then you're just billing that back to the client in the end, right? So. Oh, okay. Then, then yeah, that's great. What a great idea. Just let someone else handle that, and now you make sure, because there's probably going to be, 
there could be places where when you apply for a visa, they might want other things, might be maybe a vaccination record or something like that, correct? Right. Right. So you have to have all your paperwork ready. So even if they're doing the, the, the filling out of the forms, you're still going to give them all that information. So you still have a process to go through. It's just that I think you feel more comfortable and more confident that it's going to go through and they'll they'll cut back on your time uh, because they have the answers to the questions that you will be asking as you go through the process yourself. So, it's so much of it's second nature, but you yeah. mentioned vaccinations and it's true. You have to have, there's quite a number of vac vaccinations that you must have. But if we work on cruise ships and that's just a natural flow of things to have that little uh, vaccination booklet that we all have to, to keep that updated. So I think there's been very, uh, I don't think of a time that we haven't already had the vaccination that's required to go to a corporate gig, a land gig, because of the ships. That's right. Yeah. And, but I think with the ships too, uh, whereas before they just said you needed to have those vaccinations, they didn't always check. We found in the last couple of years that they actually want you to provide proof of it depending on where you're going to, where they're mm -hmm. traveling to. But if you're an animal act, there's a whole different thing. We're so oh, lucky yes. that it's, you know, our, our act is, we don't have a lot of props. We don't have to deal with freight because there therein lies a whole other set of challenges and, and logistics involved in getting freight and crates and boxes for, a, for an illusion act, uh, so much different. And then if it's a bird act on top of that, I, I don't know what they go through. I can't imagine. I know we, you know, we used to do an illusion act. We used to do a bird act. And I know we worked in Mexico once and the, and the challenges to get doves to Mexico were impossible. We didn't, we didn't have the time. The okay, time that is there. fascinating itself that you guys did a bird act. Yeah, we did. That, yeah. That is not, <laughs> wow, this is really so. Now, here's a question we like to ask because right now you guys are the oracles. You you know everything. Well, I know you won't say you know everything, but for from the the standpoint of most people, you know so much more about all the the traveling international. But what's one question that uh, that people never ask you about this, but probably should ask you when it comes to traveling internationally? Well, don't ask us how to travel light because we have not. That's something we have yet to achieve. We travel with way too much luggage. But what's a good question uh, for? I was thinking, um, especially for for women, uh, because it seems to affect us more than men, is um, the attire that you're going to be wearing in the country you're going to. Is it appropriate? Are you, are you going uh -huh. to um, be able to? make them feel comfortable with the way you're so dressed true. and you know jeff says we travel too heavy but i was glad that i did uh we did a show in qatar it's probably about four or five years ago now and i thought what i had was appropriately covering my body up but it wasn't the makeup artist was there and she says you're not wearing that on stage are you i'm like uh yes and uh she says you're gonna need something else something more and it was just I actually had a pantsuit on because I knew that that would be appropriate with a long jacket. So I knew I was probably, but I had a little bit open in the top of my chest, nothing much really. Mm -hmm. And she was absolutely no chest. And I just happened to have this lace undergarment that I put that, that had a collar and that covered me. She goes, that'll work. And Jeff came around the corner and saw what I was wearing. And I just said, don't say a word. <laughs> okay. But you know, what was interesting about it on, they did a videotape that actually looked great on the videotape, which I felt so uncomfortable there, but I've learned along the way is in advance, what do, what do they want you to wear? What do they wear? What are you not supposed to wear? Um, I know we want to be who we are when we go to these other countries, but I think you really have to respect 
um, you know, their religion and, and, and the way they live. And uh, I, I don't find it that hard to do. I don't mind covering my head if I know that's mm -hmm. the appropriate thing to do. But I don't know if everybody will be comfortable doing that. So that's something to consider. Go ahead, do, the, do your research on that. But that is a fantastic bit of advice and, and something I don't think people would even think about, right? We think about, well, this is my costume, and, but you don't think about, oh, but I'm going to be in a different culture. Yeah, and we've done quite a number of shows in the Middle East, and I think Qatar was uh, a little different, but it was always a learning experience. Yeah, I mean, they were very wonderful to us, we have to say. Yeah. They were very welcoming to us, and uh, so it's, it's not that they did anything to me to make me feel uncomfortable. I just knew there were some rules. I just didn't realize I didn't quite meet, meet them all. <laughs> I thought I had. Travel with Imodium, travel with uh, Imodium and uh, sleep aids and, and you know, have That's your medications, really got to have that yeah. and everything you might need. I mean, okay. We we're uh, we're like a little pharmacy. We have a bag <laughs> of, of uh, you know, everything that we anything that we have used or may have to ever use in the future. It's in this it's a big Ziploc bag full yeah. of everything from antibiotics to unless you're going to Mexico, then you're, you're then you covered. Can get it. Yeah. It's right? over the counter. Yeah. You can get everything you need a prescription for in America, in North America. Yeah. You don't need that. It's over the counter there. So you're covered. But our suitcase had like, there's, we have a white noise machine for sleep. Cause you never know what you're going to get into at the hotel location. I'm not a really light sleeper, but you know, I'm so accustomed to a certain amount of quietness that we get in our bedroom at home or in most situations. But sometimes you get on a ship where you're in a cabin where the room is rattling all, there's something in that room that's rattling all night long or just enough to keep you up or for me anyhow. Um, or even a hotel, you know, when we get booked in a city and you're right downtown yeah. and the, even if you're in a high floor, sometimes the noise makes it way, way up. So a little white noise machine has is, is yeah. been great for that. Wow. Um, and I, we have tags. I'm looking at our suitcase. You know, our suitcases are packed. They're always ready to go, and they're always by the front door. And they've been that way since March 13th, 14th. We got home the 14th of March, and the suitcases are still packed and ready to go. But on the suitcase, an act on a ship told me this once. On eBay, you could order these little tags. Uh, they are an embroidered uh, tag. It's that webbing material, uh, so they're very heavy duty. They last, and I've got an. On all our suitcases, these orange, like a, a, a embroidered tag, it just says priority. It's almost right? like webbing, yeah. So the, the only word, uh, you can get any words, your name or what have you, but I just ordered them with the word priority. And they, and so it looks to the airline handler like, oh, this is a priority. So, because we're not always on our air, airline of choice. And it has helped, I should touch wood, but I have yet to have a bag, not make it on the flight since having those on the bags. Wow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, really good tip because we, you know, on a ship, you get you get to the, the port and the ship is sailing within a few hours of your arrival. If the bag doesn't make it, there's a really good chance it's that's it. You're not going to see your bag for the rest of the week because it will never catch up to you at the at the ports at the following ports. That's very true. And here's another real quick tip. Uh, if you uh, landed your airport and a piece of luggage is missing and of course you have to fill out the claims and everything. The person you want to treat the best is the person at the lost baggage department. I mean, the person on the ground at the airport, because as you can imagine, all those people deal with all day long is someone being irate at them. So you treat them your absolute best, and then you do your best to get the phone number that's at their desk. Because otherwise, you're going to be calling an 800 number, 
and you won't know much. But if you've got the number right there, you can get to that person, get their name and find out who's going to be on next. We just get a lot of information and that way we get the help that we need. Uh, because, you know, sometimes we're traveling from one place to the next and we can't afford to have that piece of luggage, you know, not making it because we're flying out to, you know, from New Zealand back to America, whatever it is. So that's a real good tip. Trust me. That, that really is brilliant. Difference. I will tell you that just sounds brilliant. Well, Jeff, Tessa, this has been, we've come, we've come to the end of the show. This has been fantastic. You guys have given so much fans, not only great information, but I think for people who are looking ahead, maybe one day want to travel internationally, you've definitely let them know what they're going to be getting into. Well, I just can't believe it's over already. It feels like <laughs> we just started, but this has been fun. It's always fun to talk with you. It's been great. So thanks for giving us the opportunity to give some tips to the folks out there. Thank you for listening to our Magic Business Podcast. Please visit the magicoracle.club where you can hear all of our Magic Business Podcasts and enjoy a vast array of additional magical knowledge. We'd like to leave you with this quote. The world is a book and those who do not travel read only one page. St. Augustine. As always, we at the Magic Oracle wish you continued success on your path in the magical arts. 